over the, uh, over the past few days. Um, as soon as we turned on our TV screens, there has been one story going over and over again, which has been the passing of, uh, of Queen Elizabeth, who has had a, uh, a very, very long reign. Um, for many of us, I would say almost all of us in the room, this is the one monarch that we have known throughout our entire lives. This is the one person who has been... Uh, been fairly unchanging in her role throughout, um, throughout all of our lives. Now, although this, uh, this news for many of us hasn't impacted all of us uh, personally, because we didn't know Queen Elizabeth in person, um, there was something about this news over the past three days or so that has impacted several people quite deeply. It's been interesting even watching some of the news reporters and seeing some of the emotion that has been uh, encapsulated with the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Um, now, for, as I've said before, for, for most uh, everyone in the room, Queen Elizabeth is the only monarch that many of us have ever known throughout our, our lifetime. And she has been a representative of stability in the midst of a troubling and changing world. Over the past 50 years, over the past 70 years, sorry, um, there has been a lot that has changed in our world. And she has been something that has been, uh, that has represented, um, uh, uh, um, uh, been a representative of stability. Um, and it was one of these news articles this, these past three days that seemed to cap off a fairly tumultuous and changing three, uh, three years. Since 2020, there has been so much that has happened and come onto our news screens that we've been able to see that, is, um, that have shown uh, some of the difficult circumstances that have been going on throughout our world. Um, don't need to talk about this too long, but we've all uh, experienced, uh, to a different degree, COVID-19. We've seen on our screens the Taliban in Afghanistan and what's been happening there. There's been the Russian invasion of Ukraine. There's been the droughts and fires here in Australia. And then something that's even affected many of us here in this room were the floods that happened earlier on this year here in Brisbane. And with every single one of these events that we've seen, there has been something for, uh, for most of us that has um, become, uh, that has deeply affected us as we've been looking at these things, even though for many of them, we are not directly involved. A lot of these events over these past few years have led to people feeling depressed or anxious or, uh, or afraid, deflated, burnt out, or some people have probably even shown an element of anger or frustration because of everything that has been happening over the past three or so years. Now, why is that? Why do we feel this way? With many of those things that I've list, uh, listed off, why do we feel deflated and anxious and upset when we see these things, even though many of these things don't impact us directly? Yes, COVID-19 has affected uh, many of us directly. Many of us in this room and some of you watching online have, uh, you've had COVID or you may have COVID right now. Um, and yet this still hasn't affected us as much as it has other areas throughout the world or other areas even here in Australia. And so why do we feel this way when all of these things happen to us? Now, I don't necessarily know why we feel this way, but this is something that has always been true of humanity. When we see things happening to other people and we see things impacting the world around us, this can lead to some of the feelings that I mentioned before. 
Uh, on September 11th, 2001, this is probably the perfect example of, uh, of people feeling this way. Um, the terrorist attacks happened on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon killing about 3,000 people. And there was something I, uh, I read recently from a group called Pew Research who went and did some interviews with people uh, after September 11th happened and they asked them how were they feeling after this event took place. And here's what people were saying. Our first survey following the attacks went into the field just days after 9-11 from September 13th to 17th, 2001. A sizable majority of adults, 71%, said they felt depressed. Nearly half, 49%, had difficulty concentrating and a third said they had trouble sleeping. Americans were enraged by the attacks too. Three weeks after 9-11, as the psychological stress began to ease somewhat, 87% said they felt angry about the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. Fear was widespread, not just in the days immediately after the attacks, but throughout the fall of 2001. Most Americans said they were very, 28%, or somewhat, 45%, worried about another attack. When asked a year later to describe how their lives changed in a major way, about half of adults said they felt more afraid, more careful, more distrustful, or more vulnerable as a result of the attacks. And I would say some of those feelings that are expressed in that quote there following the September 11th attacks are things that many people in our society today are feeling because of the different things that have happened over the past three years. Now, when things like this happen, when events like September 11th and the things that have happened over the past few years take place, the inevitable reaction for many of us who have a faith in Jesus is that we will turn towards Scripture to find answers. And that is the perfect place for us to turn. We want to see what God's Word has to say about these different things to inform how we should be feeling and what we should be thinking about them. And one place that many people turn to in moments like this, when they are feeling um, angry, upset, depressed or anxious is Psalm 23. This is one of the most well-known passages in all of Scripture that many people turn to uh, to be able to find a place of comfort and hope. Uh, in this Psalm, we see that God is a good shepherd who provides peace, protection and provision uh, for his people. But one of the problems I've I've seen with Psalm 23 in the way that people read it is that they read it as like a, uh, a quick fix to an immediate problem. So people will read it as though it's like taking Panadol to, uh, to fix a headache. It's just something that we take really quickly, read through it, and somehow that should make everything okay. But Psalm 23 isn't something that we should just take once. It's like the rest of the Psalms. It's not something that we just read once and then leave it to the side and expect everything to be better. This is something that we take over and over and over again. It's something that we read over and over. It's like a healing medicine that we should take daily so that things are able to work deeply into our lives. This is true for, uh, for many of the Psalms. They are to be read slowly over and over again. 
we should allow certain words and phrases to sink into our hearts. I've heard it once said that you should read Psalm 23 until it becomes true for you. And I think that's a really good way to be thinking about this psalm as we come before it right now. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through Psalm 23. We'll have it there on the screen. But I'm going to read this slowly for us. And I just want you right now to just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you if there are certain words or phrases that God might be trying to say to you as I read this uh, out to you. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These beautiful words that we see here in Psalm 23 may be familiar to many of you who, uh, who, are just, who just heard this. And over the next three weeks, although this may be familiar for many of you, um, we're going to be spending some time traveling through this psalm slowly, trying to allow each small spec section to be able to speak into our hearts and our, and our minds. Um, we're not going to be uh, necessarily picking this apart like we would in, uh, in other passages of Scripture, but we're going to be reading this as it was initially intended, which is a poem which is there to provide reassurance and strength and security in the midst of all of the things that happen around us in our world. And this morning, we're going to be looking at just the first three verses. I'm going to read those three verses again. It'll just be up there on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. The first thing that we see in just these first few words is that God is spoken about as a shepherd. The original language, we had a whole sermon on this earlier on uh, in January this year. The original language is that uh, the Lord is Yahweh Ra. Um, Yahweh is the personal name that God gave to his people in the Old Testament. Um, and this denotes both his personal relationship that he has with his people, but also his position of authority and, uh, and power that he has over all things. So he is Yahweh, personal power and authority. That is one aspect of, of who he is. But then he is Ra, he is the shepherd, which is spoken about in detail throughout this. Now, speaking um, 
in detail about what a, uh, a shepherd is, is probably not familiar for, uh, for many of us. We live here in Brisbane, Australia, um, and for, for many of us, when we go out today anyway, in, uh, in this area in Bracken Ridge, we probably don't come across too many shepherds across our paths. Um, and it's probably, as, uh, as although many of us have heard the word shepherd used for God uh, over and over again, it's probably not something that automatically comes to our mind when we think of our relationship with God. Yes, we know God is the shepherd in the back of our minds, but usually we prefer to think of God in more common terms. So as father, like we spoke about last week at Father's Day, we like to think about God as friend, as healer, as care as provider. And the reason that we usually think of God in these terms is because these are terms that we're fairly familiar with. But being a shepherd is something that many of us aren't very familiar with. I know for myself, this is not something that I'm uh, always overly familiar with. And so why is God spoken of here as a shepherd? Why is God not the good accountant? Why is he not the good carpenter, the good lawyer, the good chef? I mean, why is it out of all careers and all vocations in the world that God is classed as the good shepherd? It's partly, part of the reason that God is, uh, is spoken about as the good shepherd is due to the fact of who's writing it. This is David who is writing it. And if you know about David, he was a shepherd for a, uh, for a large part of his right, life. So this was familiar to him. But more importantly, the reason that God is referred to as a shepherd here and is carried out throughout the carried throughout the whole psalm, is because it not only speaks to the identity of who God is, but it also speaks to the identity of who we are, who the reader is. This speaks to, to us being, uh, being sheep. So with all those other examples of, of things I gave you, the reason that we don't speak to, to God being the, the good chef or accountant or the good lawyer or anything like that, yes, there might be some metaphors that we might be able to, uh, to draw from some of those different things, but none of them speak to our identity or the identity of the reader who are classed as, uh, as sheep. With God as the shepherd, this place is God in the position of absolute control and knowledge. The shepherd is the one who provides for his sheep. He guides his sheep. He heals his sheep. He protects his sheep. Now, although this comes across as a fairly simple metaphor for many of us, I find it very profound in summing up our relationship with who God is. Um, Every year, one of the things, except for COVID years, unfortunately, but one of the things that my wife and I enjoy doing is going to the Eka. Um, and now I've gotten to be uh, in my 30s. I've become this, this old guy, and I don't like going into Sideshow Alley anymore. That's not where I find any joy. There's too much busyness and noise. It's terrible. The things I love to do when I go to the Eka, I like to get a Dagwood dog, I like to get a strawberry ice cream and I like to go into the pavilion and watch the horses and watch the sheep and watch the dogs. That is my ultimate idea of what the Eka is supposed to look like. And my favourite thing, if I am ever able to go to the Eka on the right day, is watching the guys who whistle to their border collies and you see the border collies rounding up the sheep and... Um, and it's amazing that when you see what these 
what these men are able to do just by whistling to their border collies. But it's also amazing what they put up with because the sheep are so frustrating. They are so stupid. These men can do everything right. They can make all the right whistles and all the right calls and still there will be one sheep who will wander off and not go where it's supposed to go. And I think when we look here at, uh, at our identity as the sheep here in this pi- picture, this is who we are classed as. We are the ones who have no understanding or knowledge compared to the one who is classed as shepherd. This passage shows who God is, the protector, the provider, the peace giver for his sheep, but it also shows who we are. We are completely dependent on the shepherd showing us where we need to go. And this sets up everything that is going to be said in the rest of the psalm, because right here in the rest of these first three verses, what we begin to see is that God, this good shepherd for his people, is, uh, is shown as a shepherd of peace. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Doesn't that sound awesome. I want to be in those green pastures. I want to be in those quiet waters. But when we all leave here today at 12 o'clock, if we get through the members meeting fairly quickly, we're going to go back into our everyday lives and things are going to become noisy once again. Mum, Dad, I can't find my school shoes. Darling, you've left the stove on. You're burning Sunday lunch. Darling, have you paid that bill? Have you organised the tradie to come? The washing needs to be done. Your report for work needs to be completed. Darling, did you see what just happened on the news? Most of these ones I just listed off, they've happened to us, uh, to me, all this week, or even just yesterday. So this is, uh, this is based on actual experience. And this is everyday life. By the way, that wasn't necessarily my wife saying that to me. Some of that was me saying that to my wife. I just want to clarify that. I'm the noisy one in our, in our household. Now, this is everyday life for many of us. We look at passages like Psalm 23, and they just sound a little bit too good to be true when we hear all of the noise and all of the things going on around us. It doesn't always feel like lying down in green pastures, being beside quiet waters, having a refreshed soul. And yet this is something that we should be able to find in our lives. Why? Because we see it here in God's word. This is something that we should be able to experience for ourselves. For myself, um, uh, over the past four to five weeks, I have been reading this psalm exclusively in my quiet times. Now, one thing I need to let you know, I'm not naturally the peace kind of person. I'm not naturally a quiet person. Um, I like movement and action, and I like knowing that I've achieved something. So I have read through this, and some of this, this may already be real for you, but for me, I have been sitting here waiting on God to, to speak to me, And yet every single time I've sat down understanding God as the shepherd of peace, 
reading through this psalm, there has been something that God has shown me about finding peace through relationship with Him. And so what I would like to do, just for the remainder of our time, rather than just picking apart certain words or phrases that we see here, most of which, excuse me, are fairly straightforward, I'd just like to provide certain ways that God has been speaking to me personally, that we are able to know the God, uh, God as the shepherd of peace. And the first thing I would just like to say to us, to know God as the shepherd of peace, and this sounds really, really simple based on what we've been speaking about but know God as the good shepherd. Yes, know God as father, know God as friend, know him as provider, as carer, as healer, but also know him as shepherd over all of us here today. This is the most important aspect of Psalm 23. Um, It's not only here that God chooses to reveal himself and speak to us about him being a shepherd, we see this brought out so beautifully later on by Jesus himself in John 10, verse 11 to 18. And I'm going to read this for us right now because Jesus himself says this to us, that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The most important thing for any of us is to know God as the good shepherd. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, That is the most important thing for you to know, that Jesus came as the good shepherd to lay down his life for the sheep so that we might be able to have relationship with him. Through Jesus identifying himself as as the good shepherd, this makes Psalm 23 for me anyway come alive even more. It's not just some vague concept or vague idea that we see in Psalm 23 about God being a, uh, a shepherd. Rather, it is Jesus who came to earth as God, who made himself known, and he defined himself as the good shepherd who personifies the nature, the servant nature of, uh, of being a shepherd. So this is the first and most important thing that we can know. The second thing I would say that, uh, that can help us to know God as the shepherd of peace is to turn off the noise. In our lives, we are constantly surrounded by noise in the form of phones, in the form of television, in the form of TV screen, I've just said that one, in the form of iPads, in the form of everything in our lives. We are constantly receiving input from all of these different places in the form of computer screens for many of us as well. And at any time, we're able to access information from all around the world. We're able to have noise and things coming into our eyes and coming into our, into our ears. And many times, this can become fairly crippling for us and difficult for us to find any peace in, uh, in our lives. 
It was um, a, a little while ago, not that long ago actually, but um, uh, that Sarah and I were, were walking through the city um, and it was fairly amazing for me to just, we were stopped at an intersection and I had a look around at all of the people at the intersection and I would say about 90% of people were all on their phones. 90% of the people that I could see at this intersection were all on their phones. We are constantly surrounded by inputs coming our way. And it can be really easy for us to think that we always need this to be happening. But a really simple thing for us to do, turn off the noise. If you turn off your phone and someone messages you and you don't reply within the first three minutes, it's okay. That's not a huge issue. They will get over it. The third thing I would say, after turning off the noise, the thing I would say is to not add to the noise. When I say this, what I mean is that don't cause an uh, unnecessary drama. When I was in high school, there was a, uh, an expression that me and my friends would use about certain different people. And this phrase that we would use is, don't be that guy. No one likes that guy. And I would say that's, uh, that's fairly true about people who are drama causers. Let's just say it. Don't be that guy. That's something very, very easy. Don't be that guy or girl. Don't be the person who adds to the noise and difficulty for others. Don't add to the noise. So that's a couple of don'ts. Here are some, some do's. First one. Focus your mind on the stillness. For many of us, we are thinking all the time, what do I need to do next? Where do I need to be next? When is everything happening in my life? How am I going to fit it all, fit it all in? And in the midst of all of this, we need to spend time, we need to learn to focus our minds on stillness and sit in that It comes only through relationship with God. So focus your mind on the stillness. And the last thing I would say, knowing that God is the shepherd of peace, make the most of of stillness. Now, I've probably listed off those four different things. And some of you will be thinking, that's all well and good, Dave. But I still just have all of these things in my life that provide so much noise. There is just no peace that I am ever able to, uh, to experience and to know. Um, but I would say that for every one of us, there are probably moments that we have in our life, if we are really honest, that we do have a certain level of stillness or peace in our lives. For myself, um, there was, uh, it was this past Sunday, uh, Sunday night after church, um, and I was doing one of my least favourite tasks, which is packing up the chairs something that we do uh, fairly regularly in our, uh, in our roles here. Um, and yet there was some way that God was able to speak to me in the stillness of that moment in this auditorium, and I was able to make the most of that. In the midst of packing up chairs, God was able to, to speak. And so I would say, if you do genuinely feel like there are just no still moments in your life, create one. Stay up for an extra five minutes at night. Read through Psalm 23 
and make the most of the stillness and allow this psalm to speak into your soul. And so what I want to do right now is just read this psalm once again. I want to give us a moment of stillness and allow this psalm to minister into our hearts once again. So team, do you just want to come on up? Um, We're just going to remain seated for the first part of this song. Simon might invite you to uh, to stand up as we we go through... uh, as we go through the song. Um, but I just want to be able to, to, uh, to create a moment for us right now where we might know God as the shepherd of peace over us and hopefully something here, as I read this, might be able to speak to your soul um, as we know God is the shepherd. So let me read from Psalm 23 once again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.